Good morning. Our reading today is from Mark chapter 5, verses 21 to 43. And if you want to follow along in the Bible at the back of church, where there are many, it's page 1007. So Mark chapter 5. When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him, my little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed and pressed around him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned round in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered, and yet you can ask who touched me. But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. While Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? Overhearing what they said, Jesus told him, don't be afraid, just believe. He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. But they laughed at him. After he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum, which means, little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately the girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. At this they were completely astonished. He gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this and told them to give her something to eat. This is the word of the Lord. Uh, it's great to be here this morning uh, preaching on one of my favorite passages in the Gospels. I love this. It's like a collision of heaven and earth. But before we get into uh, this Bible passage, uh, I wonder if you've ever been in a situation where you've thought, this is not going to end well. 
Whatever is happening is not going to end well. Not surprisingly, I've been in a few situations like this. And there's one particular uh, one that stands out for me. It was when I was a youth worker, aged probably about 23. Uh, and one Friday night, we were taking the youth uh, to the ice rink. Uh, and I had a car full of very chatty 15-year-old uh, girls in my car. And it was a typical November evening. It was cold. It was dark and it was raining. And about a mile or so into the journey, it really started to pelt down with rain. You know, the sort of rain where it's bouncing off your windscreen and you've got your supersonic windscreen wipers going. I don't know what they're called, but you know, the fast uh, windscreen wiper setting. And we were approaching a roundabout. And as I was approaching the roundabout, I started to slow the car down, as you do. And then suddenly, I lost complete control of the car. The car basically started to aquaplane on the water that was on the surface of the road. And it was like trying to drive on a sheet of ice. If you've ever had to, to you know, you've hit a, some black ice on the road, that's what it felt like. I had no control of the car whatsoever. Whatever I did made no difference to the direction that the car was going in. And unfortunately, the car was going in the direction of a whole line of cars in another lane that had slowed down to enter the roundabout. And I just was desperately trying to control this car. And I remember thinking, God, help me. These are not my children that I have responsibility for. And it was in that moment that almost like fear and faith collided as I tried desperately to pull the car back into my control. And then somehow, just in time, the car managed to get a grip like get a grip car no the car managed to get a grip of the road and and the car stopped literally about two millimeters from that line of cars that it had been heading into and I remember just sitting there for a moment and it was deathly silence in the car as we all just went <gasps> and then one of the girls from the back popped piped up and just said right Libby shall we just take a moment before we carry on <laughs> And it was a moment where I truly experienced faith and fear and the power of Jesus collide together. And I really believe that Jesus was in control of that car that night because I can't imagine how I managed to stop the car before we ran into that line of cars. Fear, faith, and the power of Jesus. This is a, a phrase that theologian Tom Wright uses to describe what happens in these two encounters with Jesus in Mark chapter 5. If you want to have it open, as Dave was saying earlier, we're in Mark chapter 5, uh, beginning at verse 21. Fear, faith, and the power of Jesus. And so here we discover two people affected by illness. The woman who's been bleeding for 12 years and Jairus, whose daughter, is seriously ill. She's got an unknown condition, but she's near death. And so both Jairus and the bleeding woman are de in desperate and in completely out-of-control situations. And it's their fear which drives them to put their faith in Jesus. And when they do that, they see the power of Jesus break through. Fear, faith, 
and the power of Jesus. So Jesus has just crossed over the lake and the crowd are gathered waiting for him. Jairus uh, is a synagogue leader who would have been a powerful and respected man in that community. But when we meet him in this moment in Mark chapter 5, all that power, all that respect is insignificant because now when we meet him, he is just a father. He is a father who is desperate for his dying daughter. He doesn't care how undignified he looks as he pushes his way through the crowd and throws himself at the feet of Jesus because fear and desperation are overwhelming him and they drive him to the feet of Jesus. And he says, my little daughter is dying. He says, please come and put your hand on her so that she will be healed and she will live. These words that he speaks are full of fear. The fear of a father who is desperate for his daughter. But these words are also filled with incredible faith. It's obvious here that Jairus believes somehow that Jesus has the power to heal his dying daughter. He says, please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. And so Jesus goes with him. Now, on the way to Jairus' house, uh, the crowd are pressing in all around him. They all want a piece of Jesus that day. And a woman is there. A woman who is simply known by her ailment, the bleeding woman. I would really like to know what this woman's name is. Because she had a name. And I feel really sad that she, nobody knew what her name is. What we do know about her is that she had some gynecological issue, which meant that she had been bleeding for 12 years, a 12-year period. And the implications of this would be massive now, but they were even more massive then. Just think about it. This was a time before decent period products she would have had to have dealt with this constant bleeding, and that would have been bad enough. But it sounds like she was in constant pain as well. And it also meant that according to Jewish law, she was permanently ritually unclean. So that meant that nobody was allowed to touch her because that meant that they would become ritually unclean as well. And the implications of that were that you were a social and a spiritual outcast in the community. And so, like Jaira, she is completely desperate. She spent, we heard, all her, her, the money that she has on doctors. And not only did they not make her better... But actually, it says, Mark says that, that she got worse. You can only imagine what they'd done to her and the humiliation and the pain and the shame that she had endured. And so on this day, hiding in the crowd around Jesus, she really has nothing left to lose, does she? You know, all her dignity has already gone. But maybe... Maybe, she thinks, if I can just get through this crowd of people to Jesus, if I can just reach out my hand and touch his cloak, maybe there's hope for me. Fear 
and faith drive this nameless woman to the feet of Jesus. And she reaches out her cloak, her hand, and she touches Jesus' cloak. And immediately we read that Jesus feels the power go out from him. And we discover too that the woman knows that she's been healed as well. I suspect the bleeding immediately stopped or maybe the pain goes away. And that could have been it. That could have been the moment for her. Jesus could have just known in his soul what had happened, that the woman had been healed and gone on his way. The woman could have just known that she had been healed and gone back to her community, been restored to a new life. But Jesus doesn't leave it like that. He couldn't leave her to go unnoticed. Jesus loves so much that he refuses to let the marginalized, the vulnerable, the hurting, the outcast go unnoticed. And so he draws her out of the shadows. He stands there and he says, who touched me? And the disciples think he's gone completely bonkers. And he says, but loads of people are touching you, Jesus. There's loads of people pressing in around you. Look at these crowds. But Jesus says again, you know, who touched me? Somebody touched me. He knows that somebody has deliberately touched him. And he looks around searching until the woman steps out of the shadows. And Mark writes this, then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. Filled with fear and yet filled with faith, she comes before Jesus and she tells him her story. I think this is an incredible moment in this story. She tells Jesus what has happened to her. She tells how she's been treated by the doctors and by her family and by her community. She tells of her hidden pain and shame that she's been carrying for 12 years. She tells him about the loneliness that she feels and her desperation and her fear. And in this moment, Jesus gives this woman a voice. And by doing so, he validates her as a person. And then he goes one step further, if that's not enough already. He calls her daughter, daughter. This is the only time he ever calls anybody daughter in the Gospels. He sees her pain and he acts in deep compassion towards her as he calls her daughter, So yes, Jesus has healed her physically, but even more significantly, he loves her and he restores her and he validates her. He validates her as a person. He replaces her pain and shame with acceptance and love. And he says, you're part of my family. He saves her. And this is a perfect example of what Jesus does, who Jesus is. He saves and he restores people. He is good news to the world. At the core of our new plans and priorities that Dave was opening up for us last week at at P's and G's um, is this. 
We want to help each other grow as confident and resilient disciples of Jesus. And this is right at the heart of these new plans and priorities because we know that everything else that we are and do at P's and G's, any other plans and priorities that we have flow from our confidence as a church and as individuals in the power of Jesus to save and restore and bring new life to people and his creation and the world. When our confidence is in Jesus... We can have a peace that's not dependent on whether the news is good or bad in the world this week. When we're confident in Jesus, we actually believe that the world can be transformed by the Spirit of God who is living in us. When we're confident in Jesus, we are sure of our identity in Jesus. And that is what shapes everything about how we live our lives in the world. And when we're confident in Jesus, this is what drives us then to act with love and compassion towards the vulnerable, towards the marginalized in in society, towards the people who have no name. But being confident and resilient as a disciple of Jesus doesn't mean that everything always has to be fine either. It also means that when life crowds in with all its pressures, this is a quote from Tom Wright. I wish I'd written this, but I didn't. When life crowds in with all its pressures, there is still room for us to creep up behind Jesus if that's all we feel we can do and, and reach out and touch him. Even when life is tough, and life crowds in with all its pressures, there's still room for us to creep up behind Jesus if that's all we feel we can do and reach out and touch him. What about Jairus? So as the liberated and healed woman wanders off to begin her new life, Jesus continues his journey to Jairus' house. But before he even gets there, Somebody approaches them and tells them that Jairus' daughter has died. Jairus' worst fears have just become a reality. I just can't imagine what it feels like. Just this week, seeing uh, the news of the, the young girl and the teenagers who died in that explosion in Ireland, or uh, the stabbing in that nursery in Thailand, just seeing the faces of some of the parents gives us a taste of what it might feel like, perhaps what Jairus was, it was experiencing in this moment. And I can imagine him just falling in grief to the floor and Jesus reaching out his arms to catch him and taking him by the shoulders and looking at him right in the eye and saying to him, do not be afraid, Jairus. Do not be afraid. Just believe. And interestingly, the tense used for the word believe here, actually means do not be afraid, keep on believing. Keep on believing. Because Jesus is saying, I am with you, Jairus. Don't be afraid. Keep on believing. Whatever the circumstances that you're going through, keep on believing in me. 
On Wednesday, we had the funeral of Ellen, who uh, a wonderful member of our church family here. She used to come to our 11 o'clock service before uh, lockdowns. Uh, Ellen had been suffering from terminal cancer for the past year. And yet all of us who had been visiting her through her, her illness testified to her deep and lasting faith and very real knowledge and experience of Jesus being with her through her pain, through her illness, through the tough, tough times that she'd been through. And yes, she got fed up. And yes, she wanted Jesus to heal her. And yes, she wished this wasn't happening to her. But she absolutely knew without a doubt that Jesus was with her every day. And that gave her not only a deep peace, but also a genuine joy. And I think Ellen experienced what Pete Gregg of 24-7 Prayer uh, is talking about when he says this, we want God to airlift us out of our problems, but more often than not, he parachutes in and joins us in the midst of them. So Jesus is saying to Jairus, whatever the circumstances that you're in, keep on believing in me because I am with you. I'm not going anywhere. And Jairus does, and they get to the house, and they go to the room where Jairus's daughter is lying dead. And Jesus takes her by the hand and says, Talitha kuam, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. And immediately she gets up and begins to walk around. In this miracle, we see the kingdom of God break through. We see heaven and earth collide. We were praying that God would do that in the song we were singing earlier. Let heaven come. Fear, faith, and the power of Jesus. Maybe the fear we see Jairus and the bleeding woman have, the fear that drives them to the feet of Jesus, maybe that fear resonates with you today. Maybe you or somebody close to you is battling with fear at the moment. Fear, perhaps about something that's going on in your family or with you personally. Fear about finances. Fear about the future of our country. Fear about the war in Ukraine. Fear about climate change. And yet there is hope, as we've seen today. Because when we fall at the feet of Jesus, Jesus steps forward and he reaches out his hand to us, and he meets us in our place of fear. Whilst fear stifles freedom, Jesus can overcome it. He has the power to transform despair into hope, shame into joy, and death into life. And so Jesus is good news for individuals and for the world. But also, as Christians... As people who have put our faith in Jesus, we are carriers of this hope. We are bearers of this good news to the world. And so as we continue to consider our response to the plans and priorities of P's and G's for the next two years, we can respond by holding back, maybe a bit fearful of getting involved, or we can surrender ourselves Fear and all to faith in Jesus. Just look at a couple of these plans and priorities again on the screen. 
Maybe this bit about being a, a confident and resilient disciple of Jesus scares you, but you sense perhaps the Spirit is nudging you about it. What will it mean for you to actually put your confidence in Jesus, not when you're in here, but when you're out there? What will you need to give up or take up to put your confidence in Jesus? What will it mean for you actually to share your faith or to live out with your faith in your workplace, in your community, in your family? Maybe we just need to bring ourselves, our fear and our faith, and fall at the feet of Jesus. Maybe you look at some of the stuff about loving and serving Edinburgh uh, or developing the refugee ministry or Saturday meal ministries uh, on the next slide, Alison. And you, you just feel really burdened by the weight of this stuff. And yet perhaps the Spirit is nudging you about something. And so maybe you just need to bring yourself, your fear and your faith, and fall at the feet of Jesus. Maybe you look at all these plans and priorities and wonder what on earth you can do, what part you can play, how can you get involved. Maybe you're quite a new Christian or you're quite new to P's and G's. Maybe you're just really busy and you've got loads going on at the time. Maybe you've been part of P's and G's for absolutely ages and have been really involved, and now you just can't be bothered and you want to leave it to other people uh, this time. Maybe you're worried about how, as a church, we're even going to pay the bills when money is so tight for us all. And so maybe we just need to bring ourselves, our fear and our faith, and fall at the feet of Jesus. Both Jairus and the liberated woman, that's what I'm going to call her, both Jairus and the liberated woman approached Jesus and they were overwhelmed. They were overwhelmed with fear, but they were filled with faith. And it was at this point when they fell at the feet of Jesus that the power of Jesus broke through. It was at the point where fear and faith took them to a place of complete surrender that heaven broke into earth in a supernatural way. Let's pray for a moment. Just in a moment of silence, are there any fears that you need to come and bring to Jesus? Knowing that he loves you, he accepts you knowing he has deep compassion, but also he is a God who can bring, breathe hope even into the most hopeless and dark situations. Let's just take a moment to hand over our fears to Jesus. And God, we ask that you would give us all faith through the power of your Holy Spirit. If that means we need to step forward and reach out our hand to touch your cloak. If that means we need to give something up or take something up, 
if that means we need to fully commit our lives again to you. Lord, help us to take those steps today. And Lord, we long to see your power at work in our lives, in the lives of people around us, in our communities. We want to see your kingdom come and your will be done. We want to see heaven break into earth. And Lord, we are your servants, and so we pray that you would take us and use us as your hands and your feet for your kingdom purposes. In Jesus' name, amen.